And then once you're aware of it, then you can raise your prices. And what I think happens is, you know, I talk about this all the time. Like we see those quotes that are like, charge your worth, charge your worth. But it's like, how can you charge your worth if you don't know your value? And a lot of people are not clear and aware of their value. And that's why they're not charging their worth. Welcome to the Uncensored Show with your host, George Atchampal, where we share the mindset, tips, tools, strategies, and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Uncensored Podcast. And today, I get an opportunity to sit down with Maya Elias. Um, She's someone who I've known for, trying to go back in my mental Rolodex here, over, I think, eight years at this point. Um, We had our our first interaction um, via Twitter and I tried to hire her for like some logo work and I was trying to be super official um, and didn't end up hiring her for a, a user error, which I explained for the first time on the podcast, which we get a good laugh about. Um, but I just I'm so excited to have her on the show because I know a lot of my audience are business owners, entrepreneurs and even working professionals who are looking to just level up their life. And I think Maya is a great example of what can happen when you start working in your zone of genius. Uh, So Maya is a personal branding strategist that teaches experts how to position themselves as the go to authority figure in their industry so they can confidently launch their signature offer. She helps hundreds of students and clients get clear on their message, confidently increase their prices and have successful five figure launches with their master classes, webinars, courses and programs. Her main mission is to help women increase their impact and income with their gifts and expertise. Um, You've probably already heard of her. She's been featured in all the major publications. She loves to have fun when you're not catching her educating, empowering women. And as y'all like to say, snatching edges, you might also find her twerking and saying a prayer right after. Uh, She's a super dynamic person. I'm so gracious to be connected with her, and I'm so gracious to be able to offer my audience the value that I know she's going to bring today. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Podcast. And today we have a very exclusive slash elusive guest. I've been trying to get this person, who's actually a friend of mine, so you'd think it would have been a little easier, get this person on my podcast for over a year. But the stars have aligned, and she's here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Maya Elias to the podcast. Maya, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. I was just giving her a hard time. Um, I did ask her a while back. I want to see how intentional Maya is, right? Like, So Maya, when I asked her, I think it was like over a year ago, she was like, yeah, so like, what's the demographic of uh, your audience, and how uh, does it align with my messaging in terms of how I can provide value? I don't even know if I, I, don't even know if I have a, had an answer for you. I was just like, man, have you ever asked on the podcast? I don't know. Right. But not, but that's just a testament to how intentional Maya is about providing impact and providing value. It's not that like 
I'm so exclusive. I don't want to be in your podcast. It's like she, for me and my audience, she wanted to make sure that her message could resonate uh, with the people, you know, that tap into my podcast. So that's just kind of the overarching theme of her entire, her brand, her platform, who she is as a person. So something I really tremendously respect about you that I'll say publicly. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. I know you be teaching the people about money. So I'm like, let me make sure I got my money right before I get on there. Let me make sure we still work together. So <laughs> and, and Maya has it, a matter of fact, maybe we can talk about that, the evolution of that as well. But Maya has definitely uh just done some amazing things since we met each other. So I don't even know if you I don't even know if you remember this. So we originally got connected like all millennials, right? On social media. I think Twitter was a little more popping than uh Instagram at the time. And you were doing like graphics and stuff back then, right? It's before I had the Make Sense to Me logo for a brand I've actually don't even, I don't even um, have anymore. And I was looking for, to get a logo created. And I saw that you did graphics. I was like, yo, can you create this logo for me? Now, back then, that was a very early stages of my business too. So I try to be like super professional. I gave an office number that I didn't even really remember how to use or forgot to check. And so you actually sent me a voicemail, but because I forgot to check the voicemail, I was thinking, oh, well, she didn't hit me up on time. So I'm just not going to use her for that because, you know, I need to work with people who, who, who are professional. And the reality was my silly ass just forgot to check the voicemail. I don't think I ever told you that. But I you, never knew that. I yeah. Because, yeah, I gave you my office line. Uh, I was out of office um, in South Charlotte. Um, and I was like, again, beginning of years of business, you just try to like put on like you're just got it all together. You're so professional. Yep. And I don't know why I just didn't give you my cell number. I gave you my office number line and I forgot to check the voicemail. And so I ended up going with a different person because I thought you never hit me up and I just didn't check the voicemail. So I don't even know if I ever told you that. Wow. You never told me that, but mm-hmm. I am glad that you told me because I feel like, you know, we can reference something like that when we talk about scaling, but that is so interesting. I mean, honestly, I'm kind of glad that you didn't because by the time you did come back to me, you did have a logo that I really did like. And I wasn't the best logo designer, but I was really good at like web design. And- yeah, yeah. Which is a perfect segue to like, again, the existing theme of her brand, which we'll talk about later on. Like to this day, and she, it's not like that you charge me like an arm and a leg, but for me at that time, it was a good amount of money. And people must not know their value because to this day, I still don't pay that much for websites when I need to get them updated. <laughs> but, but Maya, um, you know, did my, did my website, did my first set of eat my first digital product. Uh, so, you know, we, we've, we've had this long standing uh, business relationship that has evolved into much more um, now, but Maya just, you know, she's, she's a beast and I'm just glad to have her, have her on the podcast. So now for the shrinking population, that doesn't know who Maya Elias is because it is becoming shrieking. Because I get, I get people, I reshare your stories. People are like, oh my gosh, you know Maya? Can you introduce me? Let me if you don't, if you don't just book a call or DM her. <laughs> <laughs> come to Impact um, Weekend. <laughs> exactly. I come to Impact Weekend, which we'll also talk about later. Um, so tell us a little bit about just like who you are, you know, what you're all about and all that good stuff. For those who don't know you, so they can kind of get caught up to speak. Yes. So obviously I'm Maya Elias. I'm a personal branding strategist. Um, I primarily work with female entrepreneurs um, who just have a skill set that they're not leveraging to make the most amount of money that they can. So I work with a lot of people who have been in their industry for five to 10 years, and maybe they've been using this skill set freelancing, or they've been using this skill set in their corporate job, but they just don't know how to package themselves and position themselves as experts to sell something that's high end. So 
as a personal branding strategist, I help them with their messaging so they can position themselves as one of the best in the industry. And then I help them uh, create a signature high-end offer and then launch it. Oh, dope. And so being that you help women master their message and package their expertise, I know the tagline. Um, so you, it's almost like you have a case study of information, right? Like you've worked with a ton of women, even, you know, when you didn't necessarily have this exact platform now. So I feel like you have a lot of context to like what really drives results and drives success for people. So could you kind of share with us like a common thread that you feel like holds people back from really breaking through to that next level? Mm, yeah. I mean, for me, it always goes back to mindset. Like I, I wouldn't consider myself a mindset coach, but my clients do joke with me like, no, Maya is also my life coach um, yeah. because there's so many mental barriers when it comes to leveling up. Like, you know, imposter syndrome is huge, especially when you're trying to go to the next level. So I think I really just have to uh, quote unquote, convince people that they are good enough, but really just showing people. And, you know, one thing that I have my clients do is just like write down who all they've helped with their expertise and write down the results that they were able to get for other people. Because it's like, let's look at the proof mm -hmm. of what you've been able to do. Once we're able to see that and the value you were able to provide, then it's like, it's a no brainer now as to why you would charge more, as to why you would, you know, be in business to help other people. So honestly, I think one of the first steps is just being aware of your value. And then once you're aware of it, then you can raise your prices. And what I think happens is, you know, I talk about this all the time. Like we see those quotes that are like, charge your worth, charge your worth. But yeah. it's like, how can you charge your worth if you don't know your value? And a lot of people are not clear and aware of their value. And that's why they're not charging their worth. Yeah. So that's, that's phenomenal. Um, on a tactical level, like, do you have a process for like, Hey, like based upon the value that I'm providing, this is what I'm charging. Or is it like, like how, how do you quantify that number when it comes to raising your prices? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, when I just overall think about like the years of experience, I don't really think that there's like a succinct formula because I think, you know, with business and the market, it's trial and error for everything. Like you don't know what your audience is willing to pay for. Your audience is likely willing to pay for more than what you actually think. Like yeah. I tell people my pricing strategy is I'm going to increase these prices until people stop paying it. And people yeah. can back. So <laughs> I know how to prove the value of it. That's why I say once you're aware of your value, then it's easier to sell because any price point that I put out there, I'm going to be able to justify it. So yeah. I can usually justify it by the results that I've gotten for other people. So because I help people get monetary results, it's a little bit simpler because a lot of my clients like six to 12 weeks after working with me they've made their investment back they're making ten thousand dollars fifteen thousand dollars twenty five thousand dollars and right. so you know like my program for example is between 75 to, to twenty thousand so i'm able to justify that because i'm like you're going to make the money back it's it's inevitable if you follow right. the steps for people that aren't providing a monetary value Usually if you are in the space of health, wealth, or relationships, or like relationships slash love, then that's when you can target really specific pain points. And people are dealing with things that they're like, I would pay almost any amount to be able to eliminate this pain. And so with your offer, you need to think, 
am I alleviating a pain point or am I eliminating a pain point? And the closer you are to being able to eliminate a pain point for your audience, the higher you're able to charge because now they no longer have to deal with this uh, pain that they're dealing with. So uh, you're not just valuable based on how much money somebody can get you know, after working with you, because you might have clients that have a lot of money and that's the least of their worries. They might be in a situation where they're like, I really struggle with self-love or I'm struggling in my marriage and I don't know how to communicate with my partner mm-hmm. or I make a lot of money, but I don't know how to manage my wealth or I'm overweight since having my first baby. And it's been really hard for me to get back to, you know, a body that I feel really confident in. So you have to know specifically what your audience is struggling with. What is their pain and can you eliminate it? Mm, you said a lot right there. That was a bar, bar and a half. One thing I took away was this thing that my, this idea that my therapist talks about, because you mentioned like imposter syndrome and being aware of your value. And it's, it's like evidence versus emotion, right? Like your emotion might tell you like, oh, I'm not this person or, oh, I can't charge this. But you have tangible evidence, right? Which is why going, you going, having your clients go through that exercise is so powerful. You have evidence that you've done this. So, so don't give in to this arbitrary emotion of I'm not worthy or I can't charge this. You have evidence that you're, you're capable of doing so. So I think that's extremely, extremely powerful. Yeah, that's a good point. Evidence versus emotions, because we all be trying to make logical decisions based on our emotions. And it's like, it can't work like that. Let's think logically about logical uh, resolutions. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another segment of Fix Your Finances Friday, where each and every Friday we help you fix one thing that pertains to your finances, right? So many people have, you know, 401ks or, you know, retirement accounts at work, but many of us have yet to venture outside of that and have an account outside of our company sponsored plan where we're investing. Now, let me help you understand why that's important. Most people are contributing five, six percent, maybe less than that. Now, remember, right now it might smack an arbitrary percentage, but the reality is that someday you're hoping that you're accumulating enough money that you can one day live off of. So let's just do some rough math. You have a salary that you're currently living 100 percent on. Right. You're, you're spending all your money for the most part. Maybe you're saving a little bit. You're only tucking away three to six percent. Right. Let's just be aggressive. Let's say six your employer, let's say they're matching it dollar for dollar, 6%, which they're probably not, right? So now you got 12% of your salaries being tucked away and then you're getting some returns on top of that, right? What makes you think that that percentage is going to be enough for you to live on one day in retirement when you're already living on basically 100% of your pay, right? So we've got to unravel some things. We've got to set some things up. we got to reevaluate what's going on. And one of the best ways to do that is to go ahead and start another account outside of work. Obviously, you might want to get to a place where you can even max out your 401k, but I think it's best to also diversify as well. So open up that account outside of work, get started in investing. If you have any questions or concerns or don't know where to start, click the link in the show notes. We'll show you more. Maybe we can be a resource to you. Either way, get started in investing outside of your company-sponsored plan so that you can make sure that you're on track to build up a big enough nest egg so that you can successfully retire one day.
So you have this this thing about like working in your zone of genius or like your impact zone, I think as you affectionately call it. And so tell us a little bit more about what that is and how finding that has really benefited and really catapulted your business, right? Because I have kind of some some background context, obviously, being that we've helped you out on the, on the wealth side and the tax planning side to just see the, the evolution. You're very transparent, you know, with your audience about your brand, but just speak to like, what that is and how that's had a tremendous impact on your business. Yeah, absolutely. To me, like your impact zone is when you figure out what you are the absolute best at and then simultaneously figuring out how to package it. So what is the absolute, you know, best offer that you can provide? So for me, like my impact zone is messaging and value, helping my clients uh, articulate their message, communicate their value, and then Mm -hmm. increase their prices, right? And so one question that I ask my clients is, what are you the absolute best at? Own that and eliminate everything else because it's Mm -hmm. so easy for us to get distracted with offering things that we're kind of sort of good at or things we've done before in the past. And it's like, no, 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 let's eliminate all of that. And let's just answer the question, what are you the absolute best at? So that way, when you show up in this industry, you can stop feeling like, oh, somebody else is already doing it. Or am I really worthy enough? If you just only did what you were the absolute best at, then you would already just show up in the industry confident enough. So, and out of integrity, you only want to offer your best anyway. And so when clients come to me and they're like, oh, well, I was thinking about maybe just doing like this $200 course and here's what it would do. I'm like, are you giving your absolute best in this? Because for $200, I don't believe that you are. I just don't. And what I think happens too is, you know, we'll undercharge ourselves and then, you know, we'll start doing work for people and then we'll start getting mad when they are demanding our best and we'll be like, she only paid me $200. Why does she want so much? And it's like, well, you should have charged her more. So you could have the incentive to be able to show up. So when you're operating in your impact zone, you're operating out of integrity and integrity is giving Mm -hmm. your best. And integrity is also making sure that you're getting compensated fairly. And a lot of times, like we think integrity is not charging so much. It's like, oh, I'm being fair by not charging too much. And it's like, no, but you're also being unfair to yourself because you're not charging for the best that you should be providing for them. So that's how I look at Impact Zone. That's dope. That's dope. So how did you, I feel like that's interesting. There's a couple of things that come to mind. Number one, most times when people like hear something like that, or even the concept of niching down, they feel like they're shutting out a lot of opportunity, right? So how do you, number one, like dispel that myth? Because I mean, I know how I dispel that myth, but like, how do you dispel that myth of, hey, look, figure out what you're best at, eliminate the other stuff, focus on this, to get people out of their own headspace to realize that that is where you actually win. I feel like a lot of people feel like, man, if I do just this, I'm missing out on money in all these other ways that I could be serving and helping people. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people feel like when they narrow their niche that they're narrowing their opportunities and it's really, you're just targeting the opportunities that you actually want. So just think about it as I'm targeting my niche, I'm targeting my market. That's why we call it target market. Mm -hmm. When you're in entrepreneurship, you want to be able to decide who you're making money from. You don't want to have to be in a position where you're like, please, anybody just give me money. You want it to be like, no, I specifically want to work with this group of people. Mm And that's important because there's going to be people that you're not compatible with, that you might run into that are always 
requesting refunds that are just difficult to do business with. And so you need to be clear on, again, what are you the absolute best at and who can you best serve, right? Like with messaging, branding, marketing, anybody that has a business could use that service, right? But I don't best resonate with just everybody. I really best resonate with Black female entrepreneurs that are women of faith. That's who my people are. And sometimes white women come to me, non-Black women come to me. Some people that wouldn't consider themselves Christians come to me, right? But those are the outliers. And a, a huge issue that we have is when we try to market to the outliers instead of just marketing to our people. It's up to the outlier if you know, they decide they want to work with you, but it's not your job to try to market to everybody, market to your people. Ooh, I'm over here snapping. I got a really high quality mic, so y'all probably will be able to hear it. Uh, now, that's a, that's a bar. And that's something that you've always, always, at least in recent history for the past, I mean, at least half a decade, um, really been focused on and been able to um, articulate and stick to. Have you ever had to say no to like a, like a, a big opportunity that just didn't align? Like where there was a lot of money there, but it's like, if I really ask myself, like this doesn't necessarily align or have you gotten so good at attracting the right opportunities that had you haven't been presented with that challenge of saying no to a big check Good question i mean yeah i've definitely had to say no um i can't think of a specific instance where it was like a where i considered it a big opportunity or a big check because i don't look at money necessarily as the opportunity i look mm. at it alignment as the opportunity so there's never been a moment where i was like man i really wanted to say yes because it was money like if i want to say yes it's because it feels aligned to me um, so there's definitely many times where I have to say no to people and, you know, obviously it's not personal. It's just like, Hey, it's not a good fit. And I think that there's somebody better for you. Sometimes I say no to people and I redirect them, you know, to who I think would be a better fit, you know, a better coach for them, a better person to interview, you know? So it's important to be able to say no, um, and be clear on who you want to work with. And another reason it's so important to make sure that you're working with clients you best serve is because it increases your success rate. Like the people that come into my program, they get results obviously because my strategy is good and, and all of that, my teaching is good, but because I really resonate with this group of people. So my success rate is going to increase the more targeted I am about the people that I allow in my programs. Dope, dope. All right, so for this question, um, it's, it's a little bit loaded, but just stay with me. So. You, have, you teach people how to package a signature offer that's obviously premium priced, they can do more with less, all that good stuff, which we'll probably expound upon a little bit. Um, now, there are people who create digital-only products. You've created digital-only products. I think you still have some. Now, what is, your, what, is, do you, what is your perspective or drawback on folks who say, you know what, I'm gonna put a lot of value, at least from their vantage point, into a low-ticket offer that I can just, you know, pushed out to the marketplace. I'm not necessarily like having to quote unquote serve them per se. They're still successful from a monetary standpoint because you can be right. Cause people, you know, might see something like, Oh, 24 bucks. I'm probably not going to use, I'll probably sit on the shelf, but I'll buy this $24 course. Right. So what do you, what do you say to those people? Is, is it kind of already answered from a vantage point of like just what you care about in terms of alignment and not about the money piece? Or is it like you can be successful both ways, you just have to kind of choose your path or how you define success, maybe? I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think about it from two vantage points. I think 
um, a lot of people, I think, start out with like the low ticket and they're like, okay, if I can just get 10 people to buy this like low ticket thing and people will definitely buy it because it's cheap. You know, I think that when you're starting out that you should start high ticket because you need less volume. And usually when you're starting out a huge following. So if you want to make money quickly, if you want to have your consistent five figure months, offer a service, offer a done for you service or a done with you service, meaning done for you as in you're doing the work for them. You're doing the website, you're doing the graphics, you're doing the social media management, offer a done for you package or a done with you package where you might um, be consulting, you might be coaching, you might be helping them, you know, teaching them, coaching them on something. Mm -hmm. I say start out there so that way you can start generating money. And then that way, if you do want to offer smaller uh, digital products in the future, you have the financial and mental capacity to be able to do so. And a lot of times, like when we start out and we're not making a lot of money and we don't have a lot of followers, which means we don't have a lot of volume, we feel a little bit overwhelmed because we're like, I'm spending so much time and energy, you know, creating this product and then I'm trying to sell it and nobody's buying. And you have, you can have more patience and grace with yourself when nobody is buying, when you have money from, you know, your, your high end service. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the first thing. And then my second point of view on that is again, like I really care about impact and I really care about seeing my clients have results. And a lot of times I'm just not going to see that with an offer that's under a hundred dollars. A lot of people, like when they buy the smaller price products, like you said, it sits on their shelves and yeah, I'll make money from it. But I, I really am driven by the results and the impact that I'm able to make in people's lives. And the highest level of impact that I have with my clients has always been for my offers that were high end because I'm so much more involved in the process. No, that makes a lot of sense. makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I feel like you have a lot of life work harmony. I don't really call it balance, but like, cause it's all intertwined, right? Like this harmony between work and life. So my question for you is how did you achieve that? Right. And what are some of the benefits that you've gotten from getting to a place where you can be your authentic self, like through and through, like who you are in your business is who you are as a friend is who you are on social. Like they're all intertwined. There's no like, Oh, the behind the scenes, Maya, right? I mean, obviously maybe your closest friends might get to see certain elements of things that you just don't share on social from a privacy standpoint, not because it's not who you are, but like, how did you get to that place and how has that really benefited? Because I know some people, even in this day and age, they still feel like there has to be this like separation. I have to be super professional. I have to show up in this way um, for my business and I can be another way in my personal life. So just kind of walk us through how you got to that space of having such a level of comfort um, and who you are in all, in all capacities. Right. That's a, that's a really good question. Um, and I, and I definitely think I used to separate it at some point and like different seasons in my life. Like when I first started out with blogging, my Mm -hmm. sister was like, you know, this is good information, but you kind of sound like a stuffy professor. Like I didn't have my voice in it because I thought I had to come across as professional. And what really helped me was reading blogs by people that were really comfortable um, using their own voice. So my friend Regina, she has byregina.com. Her content is absolutely amazing. And she does such a good job infusing her personality into high quality educational content. And her blogs was one of the first blogs that I read where it's like, wow, she's being herself and she's still providing a lot of value. So that helped me feel more confident in using my voice. Um, And then I think even 
you know, so now like I incorporate my faith into my business a little bit, but I think when I first started doing that, it was like, okay, there's the business Maya and then there's the religious Maya and then there's the personal Maya. And it felt really like compartmentalized trying to segment these different parts of me. Cause it was like, Oh, this is a little bit weird. Um, so I just started to just like infuse all of it where it's like, okay, this is how I am. Like I'll do my devotional in the morning and you might see me twerking at a day party in the afternoon. Uh, but it just, it is what it is and you vibe with it, you vibe with it, but it doesn't feel good to not be yourself. And I didn't like Mm. that feeling. Um, and I also, I think just getting older, you know, now I'm officially 30, but just your twenties is just a season of like, who the heck am I? You know what I mean? So I think as I started to become more aware of who I am and how I felt at my best, then I was more comfortable showing that. Yeah. And quite frankly, it's exhausting, right? It's like trying to, you know, put on for this person and put on for that person versus just being able to be who you are mm-hmm. all the time, right? Being able to walk on stage and people, you know what I think it does too? I think that it shows people that you can remain who you are at the highest level, right? Sometimes people think you have to lose yourself or you can't be your authentic self to get into certain rooms and certain spaces. And I think when you show people that, Hey, look, no, I am who I am. And I just had a hundred thousand dollar month. You know what I'm saying? So like, what are we talking about? You know? Right. And it's like my authentic self is how I did get into these higher places because they got to see me, not just what I could provide. Right. I think that's the backwards nature of like the job market. Right. It's like, your resume, I know you've seen the meme or like the Jordan meme when it's like, you say you're proficient at Excel and, and it's your first day at work, right? It's like, we have to put on this like caricature of ourselves, like who we want you to think we are. Um, and then nobody wins, right? Nobody wins in that scenario because your employer doesn't get to put you in a space where you thrive in your genius or your impact zone. And then you're miserable because you're doing work that you aren't actually that good at, but you said what you had to say to get the job. Right. So if people could show up more authentically, you would align and more easily attract the right opportunities. And I think that's where the disconnect is with our like kind of like people's career and professional path It's like we think that we have to show this version of ourselves, which is actually detracting from our ability to attract the right opportunities. Mm, yes. And that goes back to niching down and, and being with your target market, because even in your career, you want to make sure that you're working with a company who has a culture that aligns with your values, too. Like you get to choose your career the same way I get to choose my clients. So for those mm-hmm. listening who have a nine to five, like it's the same thing. You want to be able to be yourself at work and provide value at your best. So definitely be clear on what matters to you in you know your working environment. Investing is something that fascinates many people. People want to learn how to do it, but they don't know where to start. They don't know what to invest in, where to open it up an account, and how much they should even be investing. And that's why I created a free educational workshop to show you exactly what you need to know about the fundamentals of investing. So if you want to learn more about investing, click the link in the show notes, and we'd love to be a resource to you to show you how you can start having your money work for you even when you're not working for it. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Um, so we talked about just before the podcast started, like that, you know, you're working on scaling your business, right? Um, so I have a two-part question. Number one, 
when did you know you had a business that you could scale? Because people throw that word out arbitrarily, right? It's like, I'm going to scale, scale, scale. But you know, because I know you, right? You knew something clicked like, okay, boom, we got something here, right? So when did you, when did you kind of know, right? And then what does that look like for you? Because I think, again, people throw around the word scale so loosely that we don't really know what that means. And so I would love to get your perspective on what it means for you as you are actually in the process in real time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you don't mind, like, I would like to share how I describe like the four phases of business. So that way people right. understand what, what phase or what season they're in. So when they do get to scale, they're, they're very aware of it. Yeah. Um, I think like the first phase would be the discovery phase. And this is where you're figuring out who is my market? What am I the absolute best at? What do I want to sell? What's the price point? How will I package it? Mm-hmm. And a lot, you'll stay in this phase for at least a year. And a lot of people, they feel like they're behind because they're in this phase. And it's like, there's a lot of market research here. You need to have lots of conversations with your audience, get on the phone with people, ask people questions, get really clear on what your it thing is. And when you feel like you have an idea of what your it thing is, and you want to move into phase two, which is the launch phase. And this is really like your beta testing to see if people are really going to buy this offer. So you put out your offer, you do a launch and just over clear, a launch is not an announcement. It's not posting once that you have something for sale. A launch is now that I'm clear on my message, now that I'm clear on who I want to target, now that I'm clear on what I'm selling, and now that I'm clear on how I'm packaging it, let me create some content. Let me create a launch campaign, a marketing campaign, and put this out there, build the anticipation. So you create your launch and you put it out there, you get your first wave of clients and you beta test with them. You see, did I like selling this? How could I improve? What do I want to see differently? And if you have to tweak, then you you stay in that phase. You kind of go back to discovery. You tweak a little bit. You launch it again for the second time. You beta. And you can go back and forth in here and still make six figures. So don't feel like you're not supposed to be making money here. And also don't feel like you shouldn't charge for beta because a huge mistake that people make is when they do their launch and they do $0 for beta, you don't really get any actual data because you need people to put their money where their mouth is. And people aren't really going to show up for you fully if they don't put in a monetary investment. So with your discovery and launch phases, you can still be making money and you can still be tweaking. You're really just getting paid to do market research in these two phases, okay? Then once you're like, boom, I've launched three times, I've tested it, I really feel good about where I'm at. Now you start to grow where you're like, okay, let me bring in more clients. Let me bring in more clients. Let me bring in more clients because I feel so confident about my processes and my systems that I want to bring on more people because I feel good about the results that I'm going to be able to get them. So you're getting testimonials, you're getting testimonials, you're getting more clients, you're making more money. This is the growth phase. The third phase is the growth phase that people often mistake as the scale phase. And what you want to do in the growth phase is you just want to continue growing until you're literally at capacity. So maybe in your launch phase, you get, you know, five clients consistently every single month, every single month, and you're, you're managing it, you're uh, refining your processes, you're refining your systems, and you're like, boom, I've done such a good job streamlining this that I really want to grow. I want to, you know, now my goal is to have 10 clients a month, 10 clients a month, 10 clients a month. Then you're like, yo, I am taking on so many clients that I can't do this by myself anymore. So I need to figure out what I want to do. So you can either scale by hiring 
or you can scale by going from one one to one to one to many. So if you are doing a done for you offer, you can scale by hiring. So maybe if you're a web designer, you have somebody that is also, you know, a junior web designer under you, or they're doing some like administrative stuff. So you don't have to work on that. So that's one way you can scale by expanding your team, or you can scale by maybe you're going to teach people web design. So you're, instead of doing web design for people, you take on five clients in one group or one cohort and you walk them through how to build their own website. That way you can take on more clients without uh, putting forth more energy or inserting more time. So that's a way to be able to do it as well. And then you might be in a place where you're doing one to many and then you still have to hire. And so this is like the season I'm in. So as a coach, I have a group coaching program. And right now I have about 20 people inside of the program but I'm realizing that the capacity of people that I can take as just one coach is probably about like the 20 to 25 mark where I wanna be able to, to be intimate with them and I wanna be able to look over their work. So I'm hiring more junior coaches to be able to also coach my clients because what you don't wanna do, the, you, know you're, you know you need to scale when if you take on any more clients, it waters down the quality and the integrity of your work. And so I've had to stop taking on clients because I don't want to ruin my reputation and I don't want to reduce the, you know, water down the quality of my work. So now if I bring on more coaches, they can get the same level of attention that they would have for me. And they're able to get the same level of success that, you know, my other clients have. So you want to make sure that in your growth phase, just be mindful, like, okay, what is that number to make sure that I'm still able to show up 100% for my clients um, without, you know, reducing the quality of uh, service that I provide. So I'm really glad you broke that down because that really gives context to like how you knew or how to know um, when the scale, that's, that's, that's a gem. And I think where, where a lot of people go wrong after hearing you break that down is you mentioned that I feel really good about my systems and my processes, right? So what'll happen is people don't have the right systems and processes and they feel like they're busted at the seams then they think they need to scale when in reality they have operational inefficiencies that they need to fix first, right? So just because you feel overwhelmed doesn't mean you're ready to scale, right? right. And, you know, right. That's, that's what people might think. I got four clients and oh my gosh, I need to hire. Like, no, no, no. You need to get your processes and your systems in place and then once that has exhausted your ability to take on anybody else, then you know, because it's like, okay, this is a well-oiled machine. So we're still like turning our head like, okay, it's time to change things. I think that was one of the biggest takeaways. I know so many, I hear so many people say that they're overwhelmed or like, but I just know that it's that. It's they don't have the systems and processes in place to be able to take things to the next level. So I thank you for breaking that down. That's huge. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of value from that. And they're also going to have to, reevaluate to your point that it, it, it you ain't gonna figure it out from day one you gotta go back tweak go back tweak go back tweak right yeah um, I mean I feel like I'm just I, I feel like I found my it thing when I first had my agency because I just thought like I'm really gonna want to do agency and it was great for like eight months and I'm like I cannot design another website or else I would just die um, and then I had to go back to the discovery phase like okay what's my it thing and then I did impact weekend and that has been my it thing. And then 
I thought about launching, you know, an accelerator program and I kind of sort of launched. I wasn't really confident about what the outcome was because I, I didn't fully go through the discovery of it. Um, and then when I finally was fully clear on the accelerator, then I'm like, oh, this is my other it thing. So I have like my it live event, my it coaching program. And because now I'm so clear on my it thing, but I took the time to discover that um, now it's, you know, I'm able to be in the growth and the scale phase, but I, I you know, I want to let the listeners know, by the time I figured out my it thing with my agency, with my live event and my coaching program, I had been in business for 10 years. So mm-hmm. you're going to go through that discovery and launch phase back and forth year after year after year. Every single time you want to launch a new revenue stream, you're going to have to go back to discovery phase. Mm-hmm. It's just that every single time you do it, you'll get more clear on what to look out for. So don't feel like you're behind or like you're not making progress because you find yourself in the discovery phase. That's such a great space to be in because the discovery phase helps you figure out what your money maker is going to be. 100%. Love that. And through your evolution, because sometimes it looks like, to your point, doing completely different things, right? Like going from agency owner to, to coach, like for you, from you, from your experience, was it just like kind of a natural evolution that you kind of did something by happenstance? And then it's like, oh, this could be the thing and I'm transitioning. Or was it an intentional like, no, you know, I want to try this. I saw someone else do it. I think I could be great at it. Let's talk uh, a little bit about that thought process. Because I feel like so many people feel like it has to be like, they had to get a sign from God. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh my gosh, you know, I need this sign to know that what's the next thing. But I, I, if, I'm, if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like for you, it wasn't just like you just like sat down and had this like mastermind with yourself. It was kind of like some of that work was organically happening and gave you like, oh, well maybe I should, you know, see what that, that's like. And then you, you know, made that pivot. And then how do you feel like in that, when you make that pivot, how did, how do you still maintain your brand integrity? Cause a lot of people are concerned about pivoting. If it's like, Oh, people would know me for being a web designer or an agency owner. Like how did you like navigate that stuff? Cause so many people are so concerned about that. Yeah. Great questions. So I think when I pivoted from web designer to coach and selling online courses, I was in a place where all of my clients were asking me for advice on what should my website say? How do I drive traffic to my website? What should I be posting on my social media? And I was like very much in a space where it's like, we're not about to keep hopping on a quick 30 minute phone call and y'all not paying me for this phone call. So I remember like it was 2014 that I started doing like my first consultations. That's what I called them. Didn't really know what I was doing. And I think I was charging like $75 or $125 for like two calls or two or three calls or something like that. And I'm like, I'm just going to answer questions that people are asking me. And I didn't necessarily know what I was doing, but I knew that this is what my market wanted from me. And I think when you're, when you want to pivot, when you want to transition, you want to pivot into a space where um, people are desiring what, what it is that you want to sell, right? So if my clients are asking me for branding advice or asking me for content advice, I'm going to test the waters there and see what that looks like. So that was a discovery phase for me. I didn't necessarily know what I was doing. I knew that people were willing to pay me for it though. And the only way you'll know that people are willing to pay you is if you're, if you put a price tag on it. So again, please stop beta testing stuff for free. I didn't say like, oh, let me take on five clients for free and see if I can help you. I'm like five people pay me so I can know if I really, if y'all are like really serious about getting coaching from me. So I tested that out and then I got more clear in my coaching process. I started navigating the conversations instead of just showing up and, you know, having them answer questions, um, answer questions for them. 
so I think the pivot was because people were already seeking it and I was starting, um, you know, I wanted to be able to support them in all the questions that they had. And yeah. then as far as like, you know, on the outside, how people viewed my brand, you know, I say that your passion can change, but your purpose is the same. And so my purpose has always been, you know, to help the underdog, you know, appear uh, like cool online, basically. I was helping people build their brands before I even knew what branding was. You know, when I started out with MySpace pages, then when I pivoted to web design, then when I pivoted to brand strategy. So I always wanted people to gain visibility online. And then I started to get tighter about who those people were. It started to become Black women and it started to become uh, Black women that were consultants or coaches or educators. So my purpose was always to help them build their brand. It's just that the purpose switched from uh, web design and graphic design to coaching. So it still made sense and so streamlined. And I think if you just communicate to people what your purpose is and when you start to make your changes, people will just follow along with it. Love it. Love it. Uh, and as we kind of come to a, a close here pretty, pretty soon, tell us about Impact Weekend. Um, so you put out this really dope video series, like high quality. I'm like, look at my little, little docu-series. I see you. Um, just kind of documenting the process. And to see the evolution of that has been beautiful, too. I mean, starting out from, you know, what you can touch on a little bit, you know, the, your experiences where you, like, rented out, you know, a house. And then now to having, you know, 80-plus women in a room, coming to Atlanta from all over the, all over the place, I'm sure. Uh, tell us like just how that evolved. I know the impact, it's called Impact Weekend, but I know just when you probably stepped on that stage and just saw all those women there yeah. for you, right? For you. Um, how dope is that? Because I mean, quite honestly, I know you're in the space and so you might, it might be on your radar more, but like there's not so many people I know, 20, 29 at the time, right? 29 years old that can get people and this ain't like your regular conference right it ain't you know uh 299 uh 150 like folks are pay, dropping a little bit of coin and traveling to come rock with you like so if y'all haven't tapped into the fact that when you are in your impact zone that you can work with your best people i think this is the culmination of that it's one thing to get people to pay some pay a, a decent amount of money to hop on a Zoom coaching call. It's another thing to get people to travel, to be in a live experience, immersed, um, you know, in a different city. I think that just really speaks to the culmination of like your entire like brand. So let's talk about what Impact Weekend is or what it was, what it is now and, and what's your vision for it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, you know, for people that are just listening and not watching, like I'm smiling from ear to ear, almost teary-eyed because I love Impact Weekend. Like, it's literally the best thing that I could have ever done, could have ever launched. And my clients are just incredible. Like, I love what I do because of the people that I get to work with. And I'm so glad that, you know, I have the discipline to stick to my audience because it's just such a treat to be able to work with people that you really enjoy working with. And I remember when I was, um, you know, I was still in my agency and I'm like, okay, I, I thought at the time I wanted to take my agency to a million. I'm like, if I can just get 100 clients at 10,000, I'll, you know, take my business to a million. And towards the tail end of that, where I was like, mm, this is not working. It's not creating the impact that I want for my clients because they weren't doing the work. Um, I, I remember just writing, like I have a, I had a vision board in my kitchen at the time and it said, 
three-day live weekend. And I didn't really know what it was going to be. I just remember writing it down. And I write down a lot of things that come to fruition. So sometimes I just write without knowing, but it'll come. And then I think a, a few months later, probably in maybe like March or something like that, because this was January when I wrote it. And I think in March, I'm like, okay, maybe I can get 12 women in a house for a weekend and just teach them all about branding. And I had a, fa a free Facebook group at the time that's not open anymore. And I remember asking them like, would you guys be down to do something like this? And they're like, yes, let us know, let us know. And I'm like, okay. So I start like figuring it out. And then I remember um, I was 27 going on 28 and I was in New York at my friend's house and I'm just working on the sales page for it. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just do it. Let's just put it together. And again, had no idea what I was doing. I had never done something like this. And for years I had just like kind of hidden behind the screen. I'm like, selling digital products is so easy. Why would I need to do anything in person? That's so lame. <laughs> and, you know, I put together the, the, you know, the sales page or the landing page for it. And I decided to do interviews. I had people apply to come to this weekend and I charged uh, $2,000 for it. And so I'm like, well, let me have people apply because it, it is going to be high ticket. And I've also never sold um, information at $2,000 before. For my agency, I had prices between five to 10000 So I was used to high ticket, but only for done for you. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, well, let me have people apply. And I got my 12 women, which is, I was just mind blown. And I remember before doing my first call, I was a little bit nervous. And so like I took a deep breath and I'm like, I'm the type of coach that people will pay $2,000 to spend a weekend with to learn from. And that was my affirmation. And I remember doing my first call. I remember she was in her car uh, on, on her lunch break and she said, yes. And I'm like, okay, well, we got the first one. So let's see if we can keep going. So anyway, that was my very first impact weekend, September, 2018. And we got an Airbnb in a house and I taught them, um, I think it was Friday and Saturday. It was two days. It was either Friday, Saturday or Saturday and Sunday. And I just couldn't believe I did it. I'm like, wow, like I really have years of content that I'm able to put together and teach for two days straight. This is crazy. So I did it four or five more times in a smaller capacity, 12 to 15 women. Um, and I had also beta launched my accelerator uh, during that time. And then uh, was it last summer or the summer before I went to a training with one of my coaches that taught how to do three-day live events. And I'm like, okay, I want, I want to make this bigger. Can I get a hundred women in the room? And that's what Impact Weekend Live was um, earlier this year, February, 2020. There were 80 women. Just before the pandemic, won't he do it? <laughs> right before the pandemic, bruh. Like when I tell you, I'd be thanking God all the time. Thank you so much for just like looking out, uh, you know, being able to make that happen. It's, it doesn't even feel like it was this year. A lot of times when my team and I were oh. the past attendees, we all say last year. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was. You like, know, I feel like I said, like, I feel like I said last year just now. Like, that's, that's the craziest year has been. Right. Yeah. This year has been crazy. But yeah, we had 100 people in the room. And honestly, one of my my biggest concerns or worries was can I provide the level of impact and value and intimacy for a hundred women that I did for 15 women? And that was one of my biggest questions. And that's when I first started implementing impact coaches. So I had coaches in the room and everybody got to have a one-on-one -on -one session with the coach during the breaks. And it was, it was phenomenal. And people that had been to my past impact weekends came to this one and they were like, I loved your impact weekend before, but this one was even better because 
I got to meet so many more people that I wouldn't have had the chance to meet otherwise. And so I'm like, okay, I'm on the right track. Like I feel safe now to be able to go bigger because I wanted to stay small because I was nervous that I wouldn't be able to manage bigger. Mm -hmm. but now I feel confident that I can. And so I'm so excited. Next one, February, 2021. And it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get my wig so I can slide in there. You know what I'm saying? Shit, my face. <laughs> <shirt off. laughs> Like a slide in the back. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> nah, man, this, this has been uh, a great, I know my audience is going to find so much value um, in this episode, so many gems. And, you know, despite the circumstances, obviously we get a chance to talk offline. So I know it's been a phenomenal year for you. Again, Impact Weekend was this year. Keep forgetting that. Right. Um, like despite the circumstances, right, it's been a phenomenal year for you. But like, what are you most excited about? We still have, you know, some, some time left in this year and what are you really excited about as we you know are on the back half of this year yeah honestly i think i'm most excited about just blowing up my accelerator program this has been one of my favorite things to offer so this is the program that people usually join um after impact weekend mm -hmm. or in conjunction sometimes people will do both and you know this is my 12-week accelerator where i help people uh package up their high-end signature offer and help them have a five-figure launch. So the expectation is that they make 10000 or more dollars from being able to sell this. And mm -hmm. I love it because I love being able to see faith-based women in their zone of genius and making really good money. So, uh, you know, that's why I'm scaling right now to be able to take on more clients because people have been applying to work with me and I'm like, hey, I'm not ready for you yet. So we're almost at the place where we're ready to take on more clients. And I'm so excited to be able to make that impact. Awesome. Awesome. And my second to last question is what does living life uncensored mean to you? Living life uncensored. That's a good question. I think it just means living life without a mask, living life as you are and being authentic, you know, which we touched on, like, mm -hmm. who are you in your purest form? Just be that person because that's where the magic happens. That's where the magic happens. And again, like for the shrinking population who like listens to this podcast and is like, yo, Maya is super dope. Forget what you're talking about. I'm about to tap into her content. Where can they find you? Yeah. So the best place to find me is on Instagram. That's where I am the most active. So Instagram.com slash Maya Elias, M-A-Y-A-E-L-I-O-U-S. It's not Maya Licious, it's Maya Elias. I was one of those people who thought it was Maya Licious. <laughs> yes, I think 50% of the people that follow me think that my name is Maya Licious, but no, it's not. Um, and if you're interested in Impact Weekend, you can learn more and register at built2impact.com. There you have it. Well, Maya, so glad to finally have you on. It was worth the wait. And uh, I know you guys uh, enjoyed this one as much as I did. So until the next time, peace. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of the Uncensored Show. Take at least one thing you heard today and apply it to your life immediately so that you can become one step closer to living a more meaningful and fulfilling life and aligning your resources to what matters most to you. Remember, Money is just a resource to fuel your journey. The question is, what's yours?